listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I want to give you these five. I want you to share the broadcast. We're going to jump in and then... Uh, I'll give you the, the uh, verses or the scriptures for each one of these. You know, one of the things that I was realizing is that, you know, the more you understand, the more, the more people I meet in churches, the more people I meet, uh, even if I'm not in a revival, even if I'm not speaking at a church, I may, um, you know, if I'm just meeting people, even talking to them in the store or whatever, I meet friends of friends. One of the things that um, I notice, it's not a hard thing. Uh, to increase, you know, and especially if you're a child of God, it's not a hard thing uh, to increase. If you've got the advantage of the Holy Spirit, it is not a hard thing to increase. And, um, you know, you've got the spirit of increase living on the inside of you. And so it's not a hard thing to increase. In fact, I'd like you to put that in the comments first and foremost. It's not a hard thing to increase. It's not a hard thing to increase. And that's an encouraging thought, you know, because some people I I think feel like it is difficult. It is difficult to increase. It's not, not when you have the Holy spirit, not when it's God's plan for your life in the Bible. Of course, we quote this to you all the time. The Bible says that the path of the just is a shining light. I think we've got success, Zach. I think we've got success. The path of the just is a shining light that shines brighter and brighter until the perfect day. Uh, And so what I want to show you, it's not a hard thing to increase. And it is God's plan for you to increase. And so I want to give you uh, five things you can start doing immediately to see increase in any area of your life, literally. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's you playing the guitar on a worship team. I don't care if it's you investing. I don't care if it's you... Uh, learning how to be a better public speaker to, to fulfill your calling as a preacher or teacher. I don't care if it's you being a better mom or dad parent to your children. What, it doesn't matter what it is. I don't care what the thing or the purpose may be. Uh, you can use these five things today to begin to see increase uh, in every area of your life or this area that you want to go higher. Uh, and God wants you to go higher. That's the thing. God wants you to go higher. And so I'm going to break these down. We're going to look at scripture verses. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, what the the carnal flesh would push you to do versus what you should do and uh, why many Christians never see increase uh, in their personal lives. Why many Christians never see increase in their purpose. You ever notice people that just kind of coast through their whole life? Have you ever noticed people that just kind of, you go check back in with them 10 years, they're still where they were 10 years ago. Throw a hand up in the comments if you know what I'm talking about. That you go back and check with these people, 10 years later, they're still in the same place they've always been. Man, that's a a discouraging thing to see. I don't want to see people continually uh, just maintaining, coasting. I don't want to see that. I want to see increase in every one of your lives. 
That's why I love you. I, you know, when I talk to the Victory Tribe, I truly do love you, believe in you, and I want to see you increase. And that's why we do these broadcasts weekly uh, because, and daily, really, because I want to give you the fuel for increase. The Word of God is increased fuel. Know that. The Word of God is increased fuel. And so I want to show you this now. Um, I'm going to give you these five. I'll break them down, give you the scriptures, and we'll jump in. But uh, put them in the comments, those of you that are watching and those listening on the podcast. Please take a minute and share the podcast uh, on your social platforms. Get the word out. Help people go to the next level, and it will help them. Um, number one, the first thing that I want you to see, uh, that will it's, it's a tip that will help you drastically improve in any area of your life, is this. Number one, do what's important first. Get this today. Do what's important first. That's the first thing I want you to see. Number one, above all these others, do what's important first. So important, so vital. And I see this uh, happening for people. It keeps people back. It truly does. I'm going to show you why. Um, but before I do that, let me read you the verse. Uh, this is from Psalm 63. And uh, this is David, man after God's own heart. And uh, I love what he says here. He says in Psalm 63 in verse one, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life. Hallelujah. And one of the things I want you to see, and it's interesting because as you study this, this passage, he says, and this is an interesting thing to, to uh, think about. I'm going to compare two translations here. Number one, uh, in the ESV that I just read, you notice how he says this. You are my God earnestly. I seek you, but check this out in the King James version. Oh God, you are my God early. Will I seek you? You see that early? Will I seek you? It takes dedication to do things early. If you look at the life of Jesus, look what he did. He set a model for his disciples. What was the model? The Bible says in multiple places, uh, that Jesus would rise up early before the dawn and he would go out into a solitary place and he would pray. He would get before the father and he would receive in input or uh, an injection of wisdom and strength and purpose for that day. That's modeled in the prayer that he told his disciples, give us this day, our daily bread. And so there's men of God, uh, years gone by, Dr. Lester Sumrall, many others, they wouldn't do anything in their day, nothing, not counsel people, not nothing until they'd first spent time praying. And so I want to give you this first. Number one, do what's important first, because one of the things you need to understand is that uh, willpower is a limited resource. 
write that in your notes, put it in the comments. Willpower is a limited resource. And once you start understanding this, it will change everything you do. Willpower is a limited resource. You can't go outside the confines of the physical body that God created you. You can't. God gave you a physical body. And I don't care how supernatural of a person you are. You need sleep. You have to eat. You understand? All these things are necessary because God created you in a physical body. And one of the things you'll know, and I'm sure you already know it, is that willpower is a limited resource. Uh, I know uh, somebody uh, told me that their grandmother told them one time. They said, you know what my grandmother told me? I said, what? They said, grandma told me nothing good ever happens after dark. (laughs) And I understand actually the, the principle that that person's grandmother was trying to teach. And if you ever notice, and I can take it from a few different uh, directions. What does the Bible say? There are evil men who love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. In the cover of darkness, they do their deeds. But one of the things that's even more practical to understand about this principle is notice when people make the most bad decisions. Notice when people make the most bad decisions. It's when they're tired, right? stressed out, or their inhibitions have dropped. And your inhibitions drop invariably when you get overtired, when you become tired. Most people will end up making poor decisions. In fact, I I heard a leadership uh, guy, he was like a, a leadership coach. He said this, and I never forgot it. He said, nobody should ever make important decisions when they're tired. Think about that. Put that in the comments. Never make important decisions when you're tired. Everything looks different when you have full rest and full strength restored to you. Everything looks different. Everything looks different. Willpower is a limited resource. You know, they've, they've taught these things. It's funny to me. They've taught these things in leadership courses. They've taught them in management courses. And it's like in the body of Christ, we ignore them like they don't even exist. Well, the Holy Ghost will power me through. And we're irresponsible with our own uh, minds and bodies. Don't make important decisions when you're tired. And don't wait until your willpower is drained to start doing important things. Do what's important first. You know, I I think this is an awesome, awesome way to teach this. But even when they're teaching people to be more effective and to be more efficient, do you know they say that all of your best work, and they've, they've, they've studied this and found statistically across the board in America, the best and most uh, efficient work is done before lunch break. I want you to think about this principle. The best and most efficient work is done before lunch break. And I'm talking about for the majority. I know there's always exceptions to some rules, but I'm saying the majority, they've discovered this They've looked at it and you know what they found out that when you're fresh in the morning and you're right out, you've got your strength, you've got your focus, all of your best work is done. And what they see that happens is once people break and once people go to lunch and eat, most people carb overload, they have a sugar crash and they come back from lunch and productivity declines heavily after lunch. They found it to be true. 
it declines heavily after lunch. And so anybody that understands productivity and efficiency, you know what they tell you? Don't do the easy or the tedious stuff before lunch. Don't answer emails before lunch. Don't, don't do all the little, you know, the stuff you could do at any time. Do what's going to take your brain power. Do what's going to take your focus. Do what's going to take willpower before uh, you begin to lose your willpower, before you start to break down. And then you come to the end of the day, people are just looking at the clock. When can I go home? I'm ready to go. I'm ready to pa- start packing up their desk. Willpower begins to drain. And most people don't have the discipline to stay in a place where they're fully focused for that long of a period of time. And so the thing that you need to understand, number one tip to drastically improving in any area of your life is to do what's important first. Do what's important first. And so, you know, you know, this is true. If you've, if you've got written goals for your day, which you should have, which you should have. One of the things that um, I decided to do, let me fix this mic just in case it's moving on me. One of the things I decided to do, and of course, I've, I've shown you guys this and uh, we've talked about this in the broadcast. I've done a broadcast on it, probably talked about it multiple times, but, and, I, and I'm, I'm leaning more and more about trying somehow to write a book on this at some point, but you've heard me do the, the broadcast or podcast on five areas of your life that you must master, right? We talk about your spiritual life, your mental life, your physical life, your financial life, and your relational life. And you have to, no question, you have to take control of those areas or they will take control of you. No question about that. And not without getting into that uh, today, I do want to say though, for all of those areas, you should have goals. You should have written goals. You should keep some kind of a log. What am I going to do today to take control and boost my spiritual life? Am I reading God's word consistently? Do I have a plan to read God's word? Do I have a plan to pray? Am I praying consistently? Right? Am I consistently a weekly goal? Am I consistently attending church faithfully where I'm being perfected by the leadership that God's placed in the body? I'm taking control of that area. And so if I know that those things are the most important in my life, should I not do them first? Shouldn't prayer be the first thing I do every day? Shouldn't, you know, reading God's word, I got to get it into my spirit. And then you start to think to yourself, what, you know, what am I doing for my mind? What goals? How am I improving my mind? How am I taking authority over my thoughts? How am I adding to my knowledge and my wisdom that is tied to my purpose, right? You go on. What about my body? It's the temple of the Holy Ghost. What written goals do I have? How am I taking care of my body? How am I taking care of my finances and being a steward of what God's called me to do? How am I taking care of my relationships with my husband, wife, children, mother, father, sisters, brothers, whatever? How am I doing that? What steps am I taking? And so when you have those written goals and you determine this is important, this is important. So I've got to do it first. And obviously there will be things that take precedent over other things, right? Your spiritual life, Paul taught this, is more important than your physical life. Going to the gym is not as important as praying and reading the word. It just isn't. It just isn't. And there's people that'll make that the very first thing they do in the day. But the very first thing, what did Paul tell Timothy? He said, physical exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable 
unto all things, all things. And it holds value in this life and in the life to come. So if you're looking at those five areas of life, one thing you can know, your spiritual life is more important than your physical life. Now, it doesn't mean your physical life is unimportant. It just means it's not as important as your spirit, especially as a Christian. So you've got to do what's important first. So when you're, let's, it doesn't matter what it is. You know, you, you have to say, well, what am I going to do? Let's say, for example, if you were going to, uh, I, I listed those things in the beginning. Let's say you're, you're somebody that's determining, I'm going to be a worshiper on the worship team. I'm going to be a, uh, the, the guitar player for our church. I'm going to develop that skill. Okay. You know, that's where you're called. You know, that's what you're doing. And so you've got to make up your mind. If God's called me in this area, if he's gifted me in this area, I'm going to dedicate myself to it. So I know that I've got to be, uh, honing that gift, honing that talent, honing that ability every single day. And so what am I going to do? I'm going to give myself to make sure if that's the most important thing, because it's my purpose, gift, and calling, I'm going to do it first. I'll pray, I'll read the word, and then immediately I'm going to launch in to whatever it is that I'm doing. You know, I understand you got, there's people you're going to work. So if that's, that's the thing that's your purpose, make it say, first thing when I get home, I'm not going to watch TV. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to sit down and I'm going, first thing I do when I get back from work, first thing, I make it the first thing I do. Maybe make it the first thing you do before you go to work. Wake up earlier. Wake up earlier to attack your purpose first thing. And in fact, that's probably what I would do because you're the most fresh. You're the most ready to go. You've prayed. You've read your word. Now you're going to jump into that thing. What if it's, you know, like I said before, you wanted to improve your investing and that's the financial area of your life. Then you get up, you pray, you read God's word, and then you might begin to study. Maybe you're going to study uh, what somebody's saying about investing, or you're going to look at different uh, pieces of media that are going to help you to gain knowledge and understanding about what you're doing. But you do the important things first. You don't put them off. The more you procrastinate, the less effective you will be. I want you to put that in the comments. The more I procrastinate, the less effective I will be. The more I procrastinate, the less effective I will be. There's no question about that. There is no question about that. The more I procrastinate, the less effective I will be. And so do the important things first, without question. Number two. The next thing I want you to see that will drastically improve you in any area of life is you've got to guard, and I mean ferociously guard, your time. Ferociously guard your time. So many people never do this. So many people never do this. And I'm telling you, the devil will send you Time wasters. (laughs) I'm just telling you, I know it's true. The devil will send you time wasters. (laughs) Throw a hand up in the comment if you know what I'm talking about. He will literally put people in your life that all they want to do is waste your time. And it's sad because uh, that time, you can never get it back, number one. And if you don't, if, you, if you've never heard me say this, you've never heard me teach this, remember something, time is your most 
valuable resource. Time is your most valuable resource. There's no question about that. It's a conspiracy by the enemy to destroy your purpose, to waste your time. That's why you've got to ferociously guard your time. Time is your most valuable resource. It really is. It's not money. It's not anything else but time. It's the greatest gift God's given us uh, to produce because we have the Holy Ghost, we have Christ, and now we have time to perform the things that God's called us to perform. And that time is a gift. It's a gift of God. And how you use it is what's going to determine your, uh, your success. And if you're accomplishing your purpose in the kingdom time, you know, I have people that just want to, you know, there's people that want to call you up to just simply shoot the breeze. Just want to shoot the breeze. And the thing is, that's one of the most disrespectful things you can do to somebody. Somebody calls you up and do you have time? They don't even ask. Do you have time to talk for a minute? They just assume you're sitting around doing nothing. That's so disrespectful of somebody's time. They just call you up and assume you've got nothing going on, right? They just want to shoot the breeze with you. That's one thing. If it's somebody that's very, very close to you, you know, don't like, don't be upset at your wife because she called you and didn't say, do you have time? So it's like, you know, it's your wife. Talk to your wife, you know, your family. But there's just people that, you know, friends, buddies, they'll just call you up. Hey, what's going on? Did you see the game last night? I'm, I've got stuff going on. You know, just at least check with me to see if I'm not in the middle of something. And there are, there are true time wasters. There are true time wasters. Sometimes, and I would say this happens more than anything else, we will waste our own time. We will waste our own time. Well, there's so many ways to do it now. There's so many ways to waste our own time now that it happens constantly. One of the most convicting things that you could see is when your phone pops up the screen time at the end of the week. <laughs> screen time. And you look at that and you're like, seriously, did I put that much time into that app or to that app or whatever? And, and really, we can waste our own time. And I want to show you the scripture here. Uh, when you're engaged in your purpose, you cannot allow your time to be wasted. Delame said, how do I kindly say no when people want to spend time with me? Just tell them like, you know, I'd really love to, you know, I'm sorry. I can't do it right now. I'm right in the middle of stuff. I got to get, I've got work. I got to get done. You see what I mean? You can be kind about it, but you can be firm about it. One of the greatest uh, books you could read on this uh, subject, Dr. Henry Cloud wrote a book called uh, Boundaries. It's called Boundaries. You have to set boundaries in every area of your life. Every relationship requires boundaries. It doesn't matter what it is. You have to set them. In the same way that a, a nation without borders is no longer a sovereign nation, it's not safe. Uh, you know, all, you go all the ramifications of having no borders. It's the same thing that happens to a person who has no boundaries. People can come in whenever they want. They can do whatever they want. They can say whatever they want. They can treat you however they want. It's not healthy and it's not God's desire. And that's why every person has to have boundaries. And so you got to learn how to 
uh, you've got to learn how to set them. As Nehemiah, and I want you to turn to Nehemiah chapter six, as Nehemiah uh, is engaged in his purpose of rebuilding the walls, there's a conspiracy to destroy him in the midst of his purpose. It's important you see this because there are, there is a conspiracy by the enemy to destroy you in the midst of your purpose. And so I'll start reading and I'll read three verses. Um, Nehemiah chapter six, verses one through three. Listen now. Now when Sambalat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I'd not set up the doors and the gates, Sambalat and Geshem sent to me saying, come, let us meet together at uh, Hakafirim in the plain of Ono. And they intended to do me harm. Verse three, and I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? Notice that. Why should the work stop when I leave it to come down to you? So, and and here he's discerning that these, not only do these men want, want to do him harm, but they're going to, they want to destroy him completely, completely take him out, not just harm him, take him out. And he's in the midst of his purpose, but notice this. He understood my purpose is far more important than any meeting I could have with anybody. I feel like we're meeting out in so many areas, 19 million meetings and nothing's getting done. It's more important to attack the purpose that God's given you and complete things, complete things. It's important that we don't just start, that we finish. We've got to finish. You're not just called to start. You're called to finish. There's nothing like a completed project. Done. Out the door. Out the door. I know there's a bunch of managers that would that would agree that completed is better than perfected. Completed is better than perfected. Because you're accomplishing. You're getting things done. Sometimes we can overindulge in stuff that's so small, people will never even notice it, but we're so OCD about it that we won't do things. I know a guy who spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on equipment to do, to make music and to produce music. And he had all, he had the best computers, he had the best programs, he had the best equipment, he had the best plugins, all the stuff and never produced one thing, not one thing. And just kept upgrading and kept upgrading and kept upgrading. But he's never completed. You know why he didn't? He didn't ever think what the stuff that he was doing was good enough to put out for people. I, I mean, I listened to it. He did whole scores. I listened to whole scores that he did. Beautiful stuff. Stuff that he wrote. Beautiful. And, and literally would never release it. Why? It had to be perfected. A completed project is better than a perfected project. You can tweak stuff forever. And as my friend Rob Conover said, anyone can start, but not everyone finishes. And it's about finishing. And so one of the things that you can do to protect yourself is you've got to ferociously guard your time like Nehemiah. I don't have to, if you're going to complete a a particular thing, a specific thing, then you can't be engaged in everything. I'm going to say that again, because this is so important. You get this now. I'd even like it if you put it in the comments and wrote it down. 
If I'm going to complete a specific thing, I cannot be involved in everything. If I'm going to complete a specific thing, I cannot be involved in everything. And that's key. That's key because one of the things we do is we, we, we engage in far too many things. And then as a result, nothing ever, nothing specific ever really gets done. And so if I'm going to complete a specific thing, I can't be involved in everything. I can't be involved in everything, which means that's why it's so important to outline what you're called to do and what you're wanting to progress in. Right. Because let's say, for example, if I, you know, if I, if I want to be better at at, at investing, like I gave the example at the beginning, if I want to be better at guitar, if I want to be better at parenting, if I want to be better at whatever it is, then I've got to make that a goal and I have to focus on that thing because I'll never see increase in that area. Imagine it's like a person who, unless you're just a freak, like some of these guys on YouTube, they are just great at everything. There's like, they're I would literally say they're like phenoms. They're just, they, they, they're just gifted in that area. But you know, it's one thing to spend 30 years practicing the piano and perfecting the piano. It's a whole nother thing to spend 30 years perfecting the piano and the guitar and the drums and the bat and the bassoon and the French horn and the clarinet and the flute. It's like, okay, you're going to get so good on each one of those. But if you just broke it down to one and put focus on one thing, it would shoot through the roof. You can be kind of good at everything, or you can be extremely good at one thing or a few things. If you look at it that way, (laughs) it's interesting. There's an old Russian proverb that said, every man who chases two rabbits catches none. A man who chases two rabbits catches none. Why? Wow, your focus is divided. They're taking you different ways. You, you can't focus. You can't do that. In fact, in Gary Keller's book, The One Thing, he proves multitasking's a lie. You can't successfully multitask and have your focus be there and have everything working properly and functioning properly. It's a lie. It's really, the, it's really you going back and forth uh, on doing two things exclusively. And when I'm doing this thing, I'm exclusively doing it. And when I'm doing this thing, I'm exclusively doing it. So you got to, you got to guard your time ferociously. You have to set up. It's like, you have to decide. I I like what Dave Ramsey said. He, and he said this in regards to finances, but he said, if you don't tell your money where to go, you're going to wonder where it went. That's a great quote. If you don't tell your money where to go, you're going to wonder where it went. That exact same thing is true with your time. If you don't tell your time where to go, you will wonder where it went. Has anybody ever gotten to the end of a day and like, man, this day's over already, man. I feel like nothing got done today. Lift your hand. I'm, I got mine up. If you felt like you've ever been in that position, the day flew by and you're like, man, I, it feels like nothing got done today. If you don't tell your time where to go, you'll wonder where it went. You'll wonder where it went. You absolutely will wonder where it went. And I'll show you something that'll help you. Because it's not wrong to take breaks. It's not wrong to do things you enjoy. Absolutely not. 
But the wrong thing is to overindulge in things that have no productive value just because they're just entertainment-based things, things you enjoy doing. Nothing wrong with doing that. It's just wrong to overindulge in that at the expense of your purpose. I don't, I, you know, I don't condemn people. If you like playing video games, I enjoy playing video games. Nothing wrong with a video game. It's when a video game overtakes your life and you're doing that far more. There, there's a video game. This is a funny thing, but sad. There's a video game called Football Manager. And you don't even play soccer games on it. You just are the manager. It's really, you're just doing all the admin work behind the scenes that a real manager would do. You're signing players, talking to players, making sure they're happy, making sure the budget is set for the board, talking to the board, scheduling. It's like, that's what it is. It became so popular and still is so extremely popular. This is a video game that's been listed on multiple divorce papers and divorce cases in Europe because there are wives that have said, my husband literally spends no time with me. He's so addicted to football manager. He just plays football manager all day long. There are reports of guys in Europe that have quit their jobs and gone on like a form of welfare so they can spend more time playing football manager. I mean, that's how addictive those things can be. And if you don't guard yourself, you can get into excess in things that don't produce anything. So it's not wrong to do them. It's wrong to overindulge at the expense of your purpose. So what do you do? How do you get around that? Well, if you're doing it, we've got this with us all the time. So you know what? If you sit down to watch a show, if you sit down to play a game, if you sit down to read, whatever, whatever it is you're doing, set a timer, set an alarm. And say, you know what, I'll give myself 30 minutes. I'll give myself an hour, whatever it is. I'll give myself an hour a day of video games. I'll give myself, you know, 30 minutes a day, an hour a day of Netflix, whatever that is, whatever it looks like to you. And once that alarm goes off, you're done. And you move back into things that produce, things that are your purpose. Ferociously guard your time. Set up safeguards. Did you know that there are apps you can download that will cut you off from social media after a certain amount of time and not let you log into your social media again until the next day. There are apps like that. All kinds of things you can do. Uh, Nancy said, how do I complete my book? Every time I think my books are ready for publishing, I find mistakes that have been causing delays. Find a better proofreader. Find a better copy editor than what you have. And if you're, you should never do it yourself. If, you, if you're doing your own proofreading and your own copy editing, you're going to leave mistakes in because you're the one that wrote them. You won't see them. Get a better proofreader. Get a better copy editor and have multiple people look at your manuscripts. Guard your time. Don't let your time be unnecessarily wasted. Number three, the third thing I want to deal with, I can't focus on that time one enough because it's so important. Um... People are commenting on Facebook, Gina. People are commenting on Twitter all at the same time. Uh, The third thing, the third tip so that you'll dramatically improve in any area of life, sow into yourself. Sow into yourself. Sow knowledge. I am blown away by the number of people who are held back from increasing in any area of their life because they simply will not pursue knowledge in any area of their life. I'm I'm blown away by it. Sow into yourself. 
sow knowledge into yourself. Blown away by this. All the, there's never, listen to me, there has never been a day in history in which we've had more information available to us for free as individuals. Never, never. 2021 is like the golden, it's like the platinum era of free information, free tutorials, free. I mean, you can learn anything and and quickly. And you know why people don't? They're lazy. That's the only answer. They are lazy. They don't, I mean, I guess one other reason would be is that they just don't know where to look, but I can't even fathom how somebody wouldn't know where to look. You already have catch-alls like YouTube and Google. Like that's a catch-all. You can find anything on YouTube and Google. It's just that people are lazy. And I can't, I can't understand how people don't sow into themselves the knowledge that it takes to go further in the specific purpose in which God's called them or to which God's called them. It's, it's, it's mind blowing. It's pure laziness. And so I'm encouraging you, number three, sow into yourself, sow knowledge into yourself. There are people who are in your industry that are far better than you are and far further ahead than you are. Why would you not study what they've said, study what they've done and improve yourself? Look at second Timothy chapter four. Here's a man that's literally, he knows he's at the end of his life. He knows he's at the end of his purpose, but he's still sowing into himself. It's mind blowing. He's still, he, he's so educated. He's so uh, spiritual. He's so accomplished and he's still sowing into himself. Paul, the apostle, second Timothy four. And uh, let me start reading verse 13, second Timothy four, 13. He was in Rome in, in imprisonment, but they still allowed him to have house guests and he was still writing letters and he was still preaching all of that. He says in 2 Timothy 4, 13, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. Also the books and above all the parchments. And so the 13th verse is showing us even at the end of his purpose, end of his life, end of his ministry, all of that, he's still sowing into himself. You know, he says it, I've run my, he says it in this letter, I've run my race. I've finished my course. He's done. He knows he's done. And he's just taking whatever time the Lord gives him at the end of his life to keep preaching, to keep winning souls, to keep perfecting the saints. And he's still writing letters and he's still sowing into himself knowledge and studying. And he's doing all that in in imprisonment in Rome. And he's so accomplished already. He's so educated already. He's so spiritual already but he doesn't stop. It shows you there's never a time to stop learning. There's never a time to stop increasing. There's never a, a time to stop pushing forward. Never, never. And so the third thing, sow into yourself. What are you sowing into yourself? Ask yourself, when's the last time I read a book? Not for pleasure, but for my own purpose. I don't mean a novel that you enjoyed, I'm not talking about Harry Potter. I mean, when was the last time you picked up a book, an audio book, an e-book, a paperback? I don't care what form. When was the last time you read one 
to advance your purpose, your calling, to get to sow knowledge into yourself. When was the last time you searched out podcasts that literally, that's what they teach. They teach what your purpose is. They, they go deeper into what your purpose is and you faithfully listen to them. When was the last time? I mean, I thank God that you're here and you're, you're listening to this teaching, build your spirit up. And we give you general Bible teaching. We give you specific things, but what about your individual purpose? Cause I'm not always touching on your individual purpose. I was blown away when I saw Dave Ramsey posted that thing. He didn't even write it. He just reposted it. And he gave those statistics about what the rich do versus what the poor do. One of the ones that blew my mind was that there's a large majority of wealthy people who read and continue learning after school every day regarding their purpose. They read constantly versus a tiny amount of poor people that will read. You know, I heard a guy that was trying to refute that. I read it. He had an article online. He's like, well, I'm going to show you why Dave Ramsey's wrong for posting this. You know, it's like, if you don't have uh, enough food in your belly, then it's really hard to read a book. It's like, really? Because when I'm fasting and praying, when I've fasted for 21 days and have zero food in my belly, I can still read and retain knowledge. So that's a stupid argument. It's hard when you're hungry. It's hard to read a book. Well, get some food. It's like, well, they're poor. They're not that poor. Not in America, they're not. So don't tell me people are too hungry to read a book. What a stupid thing to say. Well, it's really hard when you, you know, you know it's not hard. You, you don't tell me there aren't people that have not uh, improved their situation in America that have come out of poverty and into wealth because they were willing. They were willing to dedicate themselves. I mean, it's ridiculous. The Bible talks about diligence. It talks about uh, faithfulness and it talks about the fact we're to study to show ourselves approved. I understand the context of that verse. Yeah. Go to the library, all kinds of free resources. We take our kids over to the library all the time. Let me tell you, Carolyn and I had a long conversation on a, on a uh, drive one time on a car ride. And the conversation was, what do you think it is that makes children successful as they grow into adults. And after we, we talked for like two and a half hours, maybe three hours, we boiled it down to really two things out. I'm talking about outside of being saved and filled with the Holy ghost, natural things. We really boiled it down to two things. If somebody will be become number one, a reader and fill themselves with wisdom and knowledge, a reader, a diligent, uh, reader, a voracious reader, that brings success. And then number two, if someone can teach themselves to write, and I don't mean to be, you know, able to write, I'm talking about if you can communicate your thoughts clearly via writing, that seems to be the two things that in every, I don't care what line of work you go into, if you can communicate and if you've got knowledge, if you've built knowledge, you're a problem solver because you know things others don't know. That comes from study, comes from reading, comes from sowing into yourself, comes from sowing into yourself. The whole, listen to me. And I want you to put this in uh, all capital letters because I'm so sick of this in the, in the Pentecostal church and in the charismatic church, all caps, please put it in all caps. Like you are a crazy ex-girlfriend. That's not getting texted back by her boyfriend that broke up with her all caps. You ready? 
The Holy Ghost is not an excuse. Put that in the comments. The Holy Ghost is not an excuse. You've got to get that in your spirit. The Holy Ghost is not an excuse. Well, do you study? Well, I don't really study. You know, I got the Holy Ghost. That's not an excuse. Are you diligent? Do you do this? No, I don't, I don't do. You know, I'm, I'm Holy Ghost filled. That's not an excuse. The Holy Ghost is not an excuse. He's an advantage. Sinners don't have a spirit that can bring to their remembrance things that they've read, studied, and prayed out. Things God's told them in the, in the past. The Holy Ghost is not an excuse. He's an advantage. He's an asset. He's our helper. He's our comforter. He's our guide. He's our empowerment. Not an excuse. No, I don't really. uh, That's not an excuse. It's not an excuse to be lazy. It's not an excuse to be disorganized. It's not an excuse to lay off in your diligence. Holy Ghost is not an excuse. I was uh, doing a youth meeting one time, a youth conference years ago, probably over a, over a decade ago, probably 15, 20 years ago, almost. And, um, I, uh, literally from scratch, I, you know, I taught myself and had, I got some tips from other people, but I've, I've learned, uh, literally taught myself and the Holy ghost has helped me learn. I've taught my thing, myself, things like Photoshop and illustrator and premiere and final cut pro and all these other apps that I've just creative apps. And uh, I was doing a youth conference and I said, you know what? I want to have something to put in the hands of every young person so that when, that when I finish preaching and teaching, they've got something they can take home that's got the gist of my message, the scriptures that I use, the topics that I taught. And I want to do like a card that was like a four by six or five by seven card that was full color, beautiful, everything. And so I made them in Photoshop. I printed them off. I cut them up and had them ready with me when I went to the meeting. I got to the meeting and I showed him, I said, we're going to hand these out, showed them to the youth pastor who's older than me. And, uh, I said, uh, we're going to hand these out to the young people and, uh, this will be a great take home, take away for them, you know, everything. And he looked at it. He said, man, brother Ted, he said, I really wish I could do the things you do. He said, I really wish that I, I could do that stuff with Photoshop and all that. And he said, I just, you know, he said, I'm just, you know, I'm not good with computers. That's what he told me. I'm just not good with computers. I said, oh, really? I said, I thought, I, and I said this to sting him because I wanted it to sting. I wanted it to shake him, shake him out of his stupor and to get, get it in his spirit. I said, oh, man. I, I said, I thought you were filled with the Holy Ghost. And that kind of shook him out. He said, well, no, no I, I am filled with the Holy Ghost. I said, oh, I thought you were spirit filled. I thought, you, you know, oh, no, he said, I am. I'm, I'm Holy Ghost filled. He said, I'm, I'm filled with the spirit. I said, then stop saying you can't do things. And stop saying you're not good at things and stop saying you can't understand things because how do you have the teacher living inside of you? The Holy Spirit, John wrote this, I believe it's first John, the Holy Spirit teaches us all things. You're telling me I've got the teacher, I've got the truth living on the inside of me and I, you know, I've got the mind of Christ. I've got wisdom from heaven. Not only that, we're instructed in the book of James. If you ever get to a place where you lack wisdom, if there's any man, if there's any woman who lacks wisdom, 
Let him ask of God who will give to all men liberally, a liberal amount of wisdom and won't rebuke you for asking. So don't tell me that you've got the mind of Christ. You have access to wisdom from God. You've got the Holy ghost living on the inside of you, all of these things. And you, well, I just don't, I can't understand computers. Well, start understanding them. Start getting, getting with it. What is it going to take for you? And these are the same guys that'll sit down and go through fantasy football scores for three hours. They know everything about everything with fantasy football and every play that every person made on last Monday night football, Thursday night football, Sunday football. These are the same women that can tell you everything that happened with the real housewives over the last 10 years. I don't even know if that's just still on the air. I'm just pulling old stuff. You understand it? And, and they, oh, I don't know about that. I'm not that good at that. Get good at it. Don't tell me you can't do things if you've got the Holy Ghost. Don't tell me you can't understand and you can't learn it if you've got the Holy Ghost. There's people that are like, well, I was going to go apply for that job, but it says must be proficient with computers. Get, get confi- proficient with computers. Like, why, is it, why are we in a place in 2021 where people have excuses? When you can have and learn and do anything. You know what it is? You want to know why? They won't sow knowledge into themselves. That's number three. They won't sow knowledge into themselves. They refuse. So number one, do what's important first. Number two, guard your time ferociously. And number three, sow knowledge into yourself. Let me give you number four. Number four, find guides. Put that in the comments. Number four, find guides. It's not hard to do. Not today. Not in this day and age. Find guides. That's number four. Mentors. People, you don't even have to know them. That's the thing. You don't even have to know them personally. It's nice to know them. It's nice to have a personal relationship so you can get one-on-one, but find guides, find people that'll help you. There's people that are, that'll, in any area of life, you can find people that will, are willing to coach you and help you. So I don't need that. Oh, really? Well, enjoy being lackluster then. Enjoy being insignificant. Well, I don't need anybody to tell me. Oh, really? Yeah. Cause that's, that's not what God ever did in the Bible. He never used some people that were further along to help people that weren't that far along. If that's how you, if you don't, if you haven't read it yet, you need to get my book further, faster, how God uses the force of impartation to accelerate your purpose, find guides, find people that have been there, done that and got the t-shirt that can guide you. Even if it's you going to Barnes and Noble or going online to Kindle and buying their book, buying their book. I mean, if it's just that, find guides. You know, I, I'm, I'm blown away. There are so many tutorials on YouTube. It's not just for funny cat videos and vines that, you know, everybody's sad vine went away, but you've got funny vine compilations. It's not just for that. It's not just for that. Go on there and start watching some tutorials on how to do what you're, what you're called to do. I'm, su- I'm surprised by how people break it down. The, I'll tell you the thing that's just been blowing my mind. And it's like, I just came across it. I don't even know why my YouTube algorithm started showing it to me. 
but it started showing it to me, I guess, because, you know, YouTube knows me better than I know myself. And they, you know, you will like this. I was like, I don't know. I've never, you'll like it. Just watch it. Okay. Yes, I will. And, uh, I just started seeing all these videos pop up in my recommended for you section on, uh, blade and knife restorations. It was like cleavers that are rusted, knives that are rusted, uh, you know, swords that are rusted. All, I mean, all these different things. And I'm like, man, why did this even, then I started watching. I was like, man, I actually enjoy watching these guys, uh, restore these blades. And it's like amazing that somebody will send them some old rusted out cleaver from Europe. Looks like it would never be usable again. And then they go through all these step-by-step, uh, process of taking that old rusted blade and restoring it and making something beautiful and brand new out of it. And, uh, literally you could watch that and learn it. And there's, there's a tutorial on how to restore old and rusted blades and metal. And like (laughs) anything you want to learn, I don't care how arbitrary, I don't care how arbitrary it is. You can find guides, you can find guides anywhere. And look what a guide will do for you. Now, do you know how long, listen, do you, let me just give you an example from this rusted blade example. Do you know how long it would take me if I said to myself, you know, I want to start getting into like uh, restoring these old rusted blades that I found or that were left to me or whatever. Do you know how much, do you know how much research it would take? I mean, these guys were doing stuff that I never even have heard of. What's that thing that they do that the electrolysis or whatever, you know what I'm talking about? where they put the blades in water and then they connect uh, the car battery charger things to them and they pour some powder. And there's like, it puts an electric current through the water that like burns all the rust off of a knife. Do you know how long it would take me to like learn that that's a thing and to learn how to do it and learn, where would I even find out about that? And then the way they're using all the tools that they're using to like take something and make it, uh, you know, to make it uh, uh, strong metal again instead of brittle metal and just all the, how would I learn it? And then at one video that's 14 minutes long and I watch the step-by-step process, I don't have to go study for 10 years on how to restore steel and iron. Like one dude showed me what he does in 14 minutes. In 14 minutes. (laughs) I just saved myself however many years or months of work by watching one guy for 14 minutes. And if I wanted to do it, I could. Now look at Paul, Philemon. There's only one chapter. It was a letter to Philemon. And he's writing about another man, Onesimus. I've used this relatively often and it helps to see it because this is exactly what we're talking about. Paul became a guide to many people to many people. And he would tell them, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Just like that. Let me be your guide. Let me show you how. He'd become spiritual father to people like Timothy and Titus. And now to Philemon and to Onesimus. And I want you to see this now. Philemon, I'll start reading with verse eight. Accordingly, though I'm bold enough to, in Christ to command you to do what's required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Now look at verse 11, how powerful this is. Formerly, he was useless to you, 
but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I, I, I would rather have kept him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf while I'm in my imprisonment to the gospel. So notice this. Here's a guy, Onesimus, that used to be, according to the words of Paul and Philemon understood it, he was useless. This guy was a useless guy. And then what happened? He got a guide. He got a spiritual father. Paul became his father while Paul was in prison. And he said, I began to pour into him, began to sow into him, became his father. And he used to be useless, but now, look at what Paul's saying in verse 11. But now, after I've fathered him, after I've been his guide, after I've been his teacher, after I've poured into him, now he is very useful. This, this one connection took him from useless to useful, from useless to useful. That means that there are people that God can connect you with that will take you from a place that in your purpose, you weren't any good at all and boost you through the roof and help you. God's put people like that in my life. No question. When I first started playing the keyboard and doing praise and worship, there's no question that God put a man in my life named Chris Vance. Chris, Christopher J. Vance. No question about it. Chris Vance attended uh, and still attends our church in West Virginia. And he had started playing the keyboard and he was leading praise and worship and he was doing stuff. And uh, when I felt the call to begin and had hands laid on me by Brother Shambach, Chris was willing to sit down with me and let me try his keyboard and let, and show me things and, and, and show me how to play songs and showed me what cording is. And you know, literally all these things he began to show me. He really took me into that place. I knew nothing. I was useless in the, in the form of a praise and worship leader. I was useless. I was absolutely useless. And then Chris sat down with me over and over, showed me things showed me what, this is how you make a chord. This is how you play this song. This is what a chord chart is. This is how, this is how you read it. This is how you, he was very helpful to me in learning how to play, uh, by ear. And he said, this is how you, this is how you sound it out. This is what, this is how you find what key it's in. This is how you do. And showed me, I was, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't play anything. He taught me my first songs, showed me how to play them. I went on, God's put other people in my life like that. Then later on, Lance Palmer, who led praise and worship for uh, Brother Shambach, Pastor Lance Palmer, began to help me. He didn't have to help me, but he helped me. And he showed me more things and said, hey, here's how you do this. Here's how you play this. Here's some extra chords that, you know, I might play it like this more simply if I'm leading, but if somebody was playing behind me or what, they might do something. And he'd show me how to expand chords and do stuff that's bigger and more intricate and more jazzy feeling. Then I went to uh, Bible school and had people help me there. I thank God for my friend, uh, Tony Jones, who we're in Bible school together. He's a phenomenal keyboard player, far better than me, far better than I am. And he showed me things and he showed me, well, here's some things you can do to expand your repertoire. And here's some, you know, different things. And just one after another, people that helped me. I didn't know what I was doing when I started, 
but because of connections and they became guides, help, 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 takes you higher and higher and higher. And there's people that aren't even willing to search anybody out. They want to be, you know, they want to be one man armies. They want to be, do it all themselves. It's like there's some sort of pride and never have anybody helping you. God sends people to help you. God sends people to help you. God sent Paul to help Onesimus, who was useless. And then he became very useful. <laughs> Put that in the comments. Useless to useful. Useless to useful. Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you this. You know, it's interesting. It's, and there's people that can help you. And then there's people that no longer have the ability to help you. You also have to know that. There's people that can help you. But then there's people that can only take you so far. And one of the things that uh, I was I was talking to a pastor about, and I thought, man, that was that is a discerning thing. I mean, that is very that takes discernment to know this. But this pastor was talking to me, and he said, you know, I had a guy that was a pastor of a church. He said that uh, when I was first starting out and I had nobody coming to church, I mean, it was a, it was a missions church. There was nobody there, maybe just a few, few families. He said, and this pastor was willing to take time with me to show me what I needed to do to grow in our church. And he said, he gave me wisdom and he gave me insight and he, you know, whatever. He said, but you know, we obeyed what he said and we started growing. He said, we grew and he grew and he grew. He said, we actually eventually outgrew his church the one that, that was helping him initially. He said, sadly, we came to the place and he said, I just realized it's growing. It's, it's what happens when you grow. He said, we got to the place where I realized if I'm going to keep growing, I really can't appeal to that pastor anymore because he's never been where I'm going. In fact, we're already larger than he is. So I've got to find another guide. And this is what we were talking about. He said, I have to find another guide who's beyond me now that can help me to go to the next place because this, this guy's not going to help me get there because we've outgrown him. So now I need a guy. Remember this. You always need a guide that's beyond you. Put that in the comments and write it in your notes, write it in your Bible under Philemon 111. It will help you forever. You always need a guide who's beyond you. That's why Paul could say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Why? He was the foremost one to imitate in the body. There was nobody above Paul. Even Peter got rebuked by Paul. <laughs> Even Peter was doing the wrong stuff. And Paul withstood him to the face and said, you're doing something that's hypocritical. And Paul was the foremost one in the body to imitate. I always need a guide who's beyond me, beyond where I am. Otherwise, if they've never been there, how can they help me get there? You see what I mean? If they've never been there, how can they help me get there? I need a guide that's beyond me. Paul understood that. And he was helping. He was helping. Turned him from useless to useful. Find somebody that's beyond you. And so this pastor that I've talked to, he's ended up changing guides like three times because he had to. There's, there comes a time as you keep growing that that person can't grow, can't cause you to grow anymore. So you got to find somebody else who can give you the word and the wisdom to grow. Very, very important. Always look at that. Always be introspective. 
so you don't stop growing. And then let me give you number five, finally. The fifth tip to drastically improve in any area. Let me just say this about number four again. If you are an electrician, you're not going to go and apprentice to a plumber. Why would you apprentice to a plumber if your plan is to be an electrician? They're not going to be able to tell you things. They're not going to help you. You'll gain all this knowledge, but it'll have nothing to do with your purpose. Don't connect to the wrong people. Connect to the right people. And here's the next thing I want to tell you in the final thing. And this is so vital. I tell you these things. Say, well, this sounds pretty practical. It doesn't seem too spiritual. It's very spiritual. It's very spiritual. But you know, you know what the most spiritual thing you could ever do is? Accomplish your purpose in God. That's the most spiritual thing you could ever do. Accomplish your purpose in God. Now, these, let, let me just say this. These two things aren't mutually exclusive, but what do you think is more pleasing to God? If you sat around and spoke in tongues all day, or if you actually accomplished, accomplished his purpose in your life, did the thing you were called to do and did it with excellence. What do you think makes God happier? If you sat around praying in tongues all day, but you didn't accomplish your purpose, or if you went out and accomplished your purpose. Obviously, it's your purpose. that he's, It's an assignment he's given you. And, I, and I'm not saying that those two things are mutually exclusive. You should pray in tongues and you should accomplish your purpose. You see what I mean? But I'm, I'm making that as a point because we need to understand that we can do things that we think are really great, but in, in the end, it's not producing anything that we're called to produce. And so we've got to be introspective all the time that we're producing what God's called us to produce. Let me give you this number five, because this is the one where a lot of people fail. A lot of people fail. And I'll tell you why I've recently been thinking about it. Number five, do something daily. That's number five. And put it in the comments and don't forget it. Do something daily daily. And I do mean daily. I do not mean monthly. I do not mean weekly. Do something daily. When I say something, I don't mean anything. I mean that pertains to your purpose. Pertains to your purpose. Um, I'll tell you why, I mean, why this is so important. Doing, all, you know, first, before I get there, let me, let me just say, here's why people don't do something daily. First of all, they may not be disciplined enough to, to have the self-motivation to do it, but more, more along the lines of people think, well, I don't have the time to do that today. So maybe it's poor, poor time management, but if they say, well, I normally work out at the gym for an hour, I don't have an hour today, right? That's, that's normally what will happen to people. I normally go to the gym for an hour. I don't have an hour today. Today's a busy day. Okay, but don't, don't let that mean you did nothing for your body. Do something today. I don't care if you drop down and do 25 push-ups. I can't drive to the gym and spend an hour. All right, do, do 25 push-ups right now and then, you know, jump rope for 10 minutes. Don't tell me you don't have 10 minutes, 20 minutes in a day. So the, the key is, okay, I get it. You can't do the full thing, but do something today. Well, I usually have a one-hour session where I play the piano and I, I take piano lessons and I learn the piano. Okay, you can't play the piano for an hour today. At least play it for 10 minutes. Do something today. A little of something is better than a lot of nothing. (laughs) 
A little of something is better than nothing. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you only... And so the, the thing that got me thinking about this is I'm studying Greek right now and I, I grabbed a book because I thought, man, this will be helpful for me, uh, even though I'm just starting and there's guys that went to seminary and did this for years. But this, um, this is a book that was produced called Greek for Life. And uh, Dr. Plummer is teaching about how to keep your Greek active for the whole rest of your life. Or maybe you went to seminary years ago and you learned it and you lost it. This teaches you how to regain it and then keep it. If you're learning it right now, he teaches you how to keep it for the rest of your life. And the thing that he talks about is that the reason uh, that so many people, for example, go to seminary or Bible school or whatever, and they, they learn Greek so they can read the New Testament Greek, they learn it because they have to learn it when they're in college. They have to learn it to pass to get their master's or their, or their PhD, whatever. It's probably their master's, but they, they, they learn it. But then they leave and they get into the ministry and they lose it. They lose it. Uh, for example, I'll give you a perfect example. Put on a hand in the comments. If you went to high school and took Spanish and now you don't, none of your Spanish, you're like, you've lost all the things you've learned. You can't conjugate verbs anymore. You don't have your vocabulary like you used to. Put a hand up in the comments. Maybe maybe you're watching from like Canada and it was French for you. But you learned a secondary language in high school and now you've lost it. Because you're 20, 30 years out of high school and you don't use it ever. And as a result, your vocabulary is gone. Your, your ability to conjugate verbs, all that. Put it up in the comments. Look at the hands. Hands are going up. I took three or four years of Spanish. And I've retained some of it, but definitely haven't retained all that I had. But do you know why? Gina said, I, I took German and I remember very little. Spanish, don't remember what they taught me. But do you know why? Do you know why? It's because it's not in use. Do, do you know, for example, do you know Rosetta Stone software? You know, if you get Rosetta Stone where they'll teach you any language, language do you know what they have found is the best way to learn any language, full immersion, full immersion. That's why Rosetta Stone takes that method in teaching you. They don't speak to you in English when you're learning those languages. They start off from the very beginning, all with pictures, you know, they're highlighting pictures, whatever, but it's full immersion. It's full immersion. Why is it full immersion? Because if you're not using it, you lose it. Use it or lose it. That's, that's exactly how it works. And so look at, look at our kids, right? We got babies. You know, my, uh, Tiffany that works with us, she was laughing. Because my son, the way that he talks, he just turned five. And, and uh, Tiffany's like talking to him and she's like, wow, Teddy, how did you, I think she was saying like, how did you learn to do that? And he was like, I watched a tutorial online. <laughs> it's like, he's just turned five years old. You know, he's like four, just turned five. I watched a tutorial online and they taught me how to do it. It's like, she's laughing. Like only a Shuttlesworth kid would walk up to you at four, at the end of his fourth year, fifth year beginning. I watched a tutorial online and it taught me how to do it. It's like, but the thing is, think about the fact that our kids start talking. Do you know what we don't do? We don't, we don't mess around with our kids. They're one year old, two years old and say, um, hi, I'm Ted. That's my first name, but you can call me daddy. 
because I am your father, but daddy is a slang term for father. So the reason in English, baby, that we use the word daddy, it's a slang term for father, but father's not my first name. My first name is Ted. Like we don't, we don't teach our kids to speak that way, right? We don't do that. They learn by full immersion. If they're crying, if they're hungry, what do you want? You want your bottle? But what do we do? We hold up the bottle. You want your bottle? You want, you want a drink? You want a drink from your bottle? Until they understand what that means. We don't break down what's an adjective and what's a noun and what's a, a past, present, future verb and participle. We don't do that. Our kids learn by what? Full immersion. And that's the best way to learn things. And so the reason I'm giving you number five is because, and I want you, everybody, please put this in the comments. So vital that you put it in. Put it in. Use it or lose it. Use it or lose it. Some of something is far better than not doing anything. And you know what your purpose is. You know what your call is. The only reason people don't advance is because they don't advance. (laughs) That sounds too simple to be true. The only reason people don't advance is because they don't advance. Use it or lose it. Use it or lose it. Use it or lose it. And so when I was reading Greek for Life, they said, here are some methods that you can use to keep this with you for the rest of your life. And they recommended um, buying a Greek Testament. And they say, listen, even if you're not doing deep Greek study, read Greek verses in the Bible every day to keep it in front of your face. If you've got to use an app that pulls what the word means and you didn't know that vocabulary word, do it. Do it. They said, download some free apps that have vocabulary flashcards on them and go through your flashcard vocabulary every day. Even if you only do it for five to 10 minutes. Every day. What is that going to do? It's going to keep that stuff in front of your face. It's going to keep you learning. It's going to keep you remembering. It's going to keep you active. It's keeping you using it so you don't lose it. And the same thing is true with your purpose. Do something every day. If you've got to play your guitar for five minutes a day, if you read a parenting book for 10 minutes a day, if you read on stocks and investing for five, 10, 20 minutes a day, do something every single day. Every single day. Do you know they say that somebody becomes an expert at something when they've done it or completed it for 10,000 hours? 10,000 hours. Huh. 10,000 hours. That's when somebody technically becomes an expert at something. Take time every day. So you, you ask yourself, all right, what is it that I'm called to do? What is it that I, what is it? that I'm supposed to be excelling at? What's my purpose? What's my vision? What's my call? And then you, this is why I talk to people about narrowing it and making it specific and writing it down. Can you define it? Because here's the problem. People don't move forward because they can't even define what it is they're supposed to be doing. So they drift. If you can't even define what it is you're supposed to be doing, you're going to drift. You won't grow. The more, listen to me when I say this, the more specific you can make the calling and purpose in your life, the more you will accomplish. I heard one guy say one time, if you can't write your vision, purpose, or call on the back of a business card concisely, you're not, you don't know specifically enough yet what you're called to do. If you can't write it on the back of a business card, if you can't give an elevator pitch, if you can't explain it, listen, 
If I get on the elevator with you and you can't explain to me concisely what it is you do between floor one and floor three, you don't know. You don't know clearly enough. And so it's about defining it. It's about knowing specifically and clearly what are you called to do? Because once you recognize that, then guess what? It's like I can attack that thing. And here's what I've been, here's what I've, uh, I've, I've learned. Listen to me very carefully on this. And you've heard me say, you've heard me say, purpose gives you parameters. Please put that in the comments. It's the last thing I'm going to have you write in the comments today. Purpose gives you parameters. This is why I tell you that it's so important to know specifically what you're called to do and what your purpose is, because that purpose gives you parameters. What do I mean by that? Well, if you know what you should do, it also defines what you shouldn't do, right? If I know what I should do, it defines what I shouldn't do. And this is so vital because we've got to be able to say no to all the right things. I've got to say no to the things that need to be said no to. If I'm going to, if listen to me, if I'm going to have the time to say yes to the things I need to say yes to, that means I have to say no to the things that I need to say no to. No question. I have to say no to the things I need to say no to. And so I have to say, so that means I've got to define it because if I don't know, then I'm drifting, I'm drifting, I'm drifting. So you, you got to write it down, put it down on something and then say, you know what? I'm going to find a way to attack this every single day. I'm going to do something. I don't care if I can only uh, give 20 minutes to it, 10 minutes to it. I'll do something. And I'll, listen, all of us need to improve in every area. None of us is at the pinnacle. All of us need to improve. Myself, absolutely included. Absolutely included. I am also increasing in these areas of my life. You have to because your flesh nature doesn't want to. Your flesh nature goes let me give you an example before, before I pray for you. Your flesh nature is constantly pushing away from self-control and self-discipline. Your, your flesh nature hates it, hates it. Nobody wants to wake up early. Nobody wants to work. Nobody wants to read the word in their flesh. Nobody wants to spend time praying. Nobody wants to practice. Nobody wants to, def- nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to work out. Nobody wants to eat properly. Nobody wants to have, you know, they want to say whatever they want instead of restraining themselves to have peaceful relationships. Our flesh pushes back against self-control and against discipline. Pushes back against it. And that's the key. That's why self-control is not a self-help message. It's a gift and a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is without question. Without the Holy Spirit's help, we can't be self-controlled. What does the Bible say? It says that uh, the tongue is an unruly evil that no man can tame. Bottom line, no man can tame it. And so it takes the, the help of the Holy Spirit for us to even get to that place. And so we have to do it. We have to be 
self-controlled. We have to be self-disciplined. No question. And I'm, t- I'm going to tell you something. Not only do I believe in what you're called to do and believe in your purpose. I mean, I wouldn't take the time to do these if I didn't. I wouldn't take the time to do these uh, daily if I didn't know that you were anointed and called. I, there's no way I would do it. But I do it because I believe in you. And so I want to pray for you because one of the things that I'm believing God for is I'm believing God that by the time this year comes to an end, by the time that this year is over, you will begin to see such rapid increase in your purpose and in your calling that it'll blow your mind. You'll see that thing blow up exponentially to the thing where you're like, man, we've had more happen for us in one year than we've had happen for our business, our ministry, our family in five years. <laughs> if you don't think that's possible, last year we had somebody that by faith sowed a seed and in the first month of the year while we were fasting and praying and when they sowed their seed, they signed one contract, one that tripled their income for the year. Now you think about that. That just tripled their, their annual income with one contract and probably wasn't the only contract they signed that year. You don't think God can increase you in that way? He can take you so quick, so high that it blows the minds of natural men. And that's my prayer for you is that you'll get to the end of this year, that you'll dedicate yourself to your call, your purpose, what it is God's placed on you. And by the time you come to the end, so fruitful that it'll blow the minds of natural men. And God can do that. You know why? Promotion doesn't come from men, doesn't come from the East or the West or the South. Promotion comes from the Lord. And he's deciding who will rise and who will fall. Looking so forward to rally, Kristen. It's going to be great. And so I'm praying for you here at the end of this broadcast because I'm believing God. I'm believing God with you that there's going to be a quick increase. That all of these things, maybe you're at the place where you're like, man, I don't even know yet my purpose. I don't even know my calling. Today's the day to know it. Today's the day they hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and write it down, log what the Holy Ghost gives you and then attack it with everything you've got. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm praying for every person watching me today, every person, every part of the Victory Tribe, even those visiting, I pray that today you begin to speak to them. Open their hearts, let them clearly hear your voice. I pray in Jesus' name that you would use every one of us mightily this year. Let us be so specific And know so specifically what you've called us to do that we'll not be pulled off track. Like Nehemiah will say, I'm not coming down off the wall, off the work. It's too important. I'll not be distracted. I'll not be uh, set aside. I'll not be detoured. I'll not be delayed. In Jesus' name. Put a fire. I need a hunger, Lord, a fresh fire of the Holy Ghost coming to every one of us to accomplish our purpose. Never allow us to become complacent, no complacency in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody shout amen, throw some fire in the comments section. Uh, I wanted to say to Shailen uh, Lairzy, uh, in order to sow that seed on Facebook, you have to put uh, a hashtag symbol, the donate, and then just the number 25 with no spaces. Hashtag donate25. Oh, no, it, it read it. It did read it. 
Wow, they've upgraded their technology. Praise God. We used to have to correct everyone. Well, I want to encourage you, those to follow her uh, lead. We're going to give you an opportunity to sow today. And um, on the screen, you can see all the ways to give. And I said this yesterday, and I want to extend it to today as well, um, that uh, Jackie, Jenna's email is jenna at miracleword.com. I'll put it in the comments so that you have it, that you can copy and paste. Jenna at miracleword.com. Boom. There you go. Um, Those of you that are sowing, you can always go to miracleword.com forward slash give. You can give a seed, sow a seed there. Many ways you can do it. They're on the screen. They're on the website as well. But I want to encourage you to sow by faith today, something significant. What I said yesterday was anybody that sows uh, $50 or more, I want to send you that book. Uh, Bible Doctrines by PC Nelson and uh, Tiffany's doing photo shoots in Pittsburgh today. Uh, she'll, she'll get with you ASAP on that. If you had questions about that book, but we're going to put it in the drop down. Uh, if you're sowing $50 or more, we're going to send you that book Bible Doctrines. But for anybody that is partnering with us in this month of June uh, at $85 or more, we're going to be sending you biblical keys to financial prosperity by brother Hagen. powerful book on this subject that's too, it's not talked about enough. That's for sure. And so for those that are standing with us, partnering with us, we're going to send you this book, biblical keys to financial prosperity. If you'd like to receive it, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer, and you can get your copy there. Fill out the form because you know, like cash app, for example, if you sow by cash app, we don't have your address. We don't know where to send it. And we want to make sure you get uh, the book that you sewed for this month. And thank you. That's our gift to you. Um, I just got some messages today. People are writing me back and thanking me for the study Bible. It's a phenomenal resource. That's why we've chosen it. And, uh, too few Christian bookstores are even allowing us to buy genuine leather Bibles anymore, which is mind blowing to me. There's to me, nothing better than a genuine leather. I think this one is lambskin. Um, so, so awesome. We did that for you as well. We put together a beautiful, genuine leather version of the Life Application Study Bible for people that are sewing $1,000 or more. And then, of course, at the very tier uh, at the top, for people that are sewing largely $5,000, $10,000, $20,000 or more, uh, if you've sewn $5,000 or more, we've put together something called the Elite Study Collection. And this is the thing I'm most excited about because I've chosen the five resources that I believe are the best study resources for uh, believers. And I'm telling you, the box, everything we did, it's it's gorgeous. It's all custom. It's blacked out. I'm just telling you, wait till you see it. It's it's phenomenal. We have professional pictures being done for it. And uh, I can't wait to show it to you. It looks so, so amazing. The brand new magazine is getting ready to ship for the summer And uh, we'd like to get uh, a copy to you as well. And so um, if you don't subscribe or haven't subscribed to the, uh, to get the magazine, you can go to our website, miracleword.com and click on the magazine right on the homepage and you'll be directed to where you can fill out the form to get it. Uh, It's going to be awesome. I'm just telling you, I felt the Holy Ghost hit me. I wrote this article on blind guides. It's going to open your eyes. It's going to show you some things. Also, yesterday was Wednesday. And the brand new kids information is out, brand new video, brand new Bible study on the armor of God. Powerful, powerful study for children to understand 
the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith. And you can get it on our app, uh, Miracle Word, in either app store. You can get it on your phone and tablet. And all of the videos are there archived for you. And then you can download the Bible study there as well. So if you don't have our app, go grab it. You will love it. All of our TV broadcasts are there. All the kids' information. These archive broadcasts, Miracle Word Radio, podcasts, articles. uh, So much content. So much content for you guys. And uh, so I want to encourage you to grab it. I'm here at Peckville Assembly of God. Two nights remaining. Tonight, Thursday. Tomorrow, Friday. 7 o'clock Eastern Time. Uh, Get here if you can get here. Um, If you can't, if you're states away and you're not going to buy a plane ticket, then listen, join us online. We're live on Facebook. We're live on YouTube tonight at seven Eastern. And then starting Sunday, we're going to be in Rowlett, Texas church in the city starts this coming Sunday. And, uh, you're not going to want to miss that. If you're anywhere close, get there, man. It's been so great to see victory tribe members, uh, in the meetings. I really, really love you guys. I'm so happy to, to see you in person, take a picture with you, hang with you, talk to you. Um, you guys are a blessing to me. I love you so much. Thanks for hanging with me today. If you didn't get a chance to share the broadcast, help me do it. I love you. I'll see you tonight. And again, tomorrow morning, 1030 AM. Have a blessed day. I'll talk to you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.